Welcome to His Word Heals. You can also visit us online at www.hiswordheals.com for all of our past programs, a healing scripture CD, and more. Today's program on Hebrew Nation Radio is actually the audio from our newest video, which you can watch online in its entirety at www.hiswordheals.com on our blog page. In last week's program, we took a look at how King Charles' coronation was going to take place on the second Passover. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, please go to our website, to the blog page, and take a listen to last week's program. In this week's program, we are going to look at the actual coronation and some facts, interesting facts about the coronation, things that took place. As we go through the coronation, please pay close attention to the fact that it is a multi-faith coronation, even though he is supposed to be the head of the Church of England, the head of the Protestant Church. He has invited members of all faiths to participate in his actual coronation. So pay attention to that as we go through, along with the other interesting facts that we'll point out. Also, as we watch this video and I point out a few things, I am trying to be very careful not to speak against things that I don't understand or to put down the king or this coronation in any way other than he is not my king. My king is Yeshua, but I'm sure that Abba has a purpose for this whole thing, and we can learn from this coronation as grandiose as this coronation is for a man. Just imagine the coronation of King Yeshua when he comes back to rule and reign in Jerusalem. What a great coronation celebration that will be. But I will leave you with one scripture to think about as we watch this video. And as we ponder the significance of this, we also want to remember to pray for those that are in authority, those that are in government, as we are told to pray for them and not to speak against things that we don't necessarily understand. Jude chapter 1 verse 8 through 10 is our warning. Likewise, all these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord, or Yahweh, rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. So we don't want to speak evil against... Any who God puts in authority, and for whatever reason, God has seen fit that King Charles would be crowned king. And so I will not speak against that, though I will say he is not my king. Again, Yeshua is my king, king of kings and lord of lords. And only he truly understands all of this and only he can rebuke. All that said, I have one more interesting thought to consider before we get into the coronation ceremony. I entered into the search engine, King Charles, seven years, and came up with some pretty interesting articles. And of course, I'm referring to the covenant of seven years spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So in the middle of one week, or one week of seven years, that would be one week of years, a covenant that someone makes for seven years is to be interrupted. 
And if you've watched or listened to our previous programs, you know that we have a Revelation time chart that suggests possibly this Passover season of 2023 could be the beginning of the last seven years. Here is that possible time chart, and we're not saying thus saith the Lord. We've just laid out the biblical timeline on a chart for us to watch and see if we see any of these things that are prophesied about coming to take place in any of the upcoming years. Just basically an organized order of prophetic events. So as you can see here in the middle, these arrows would lay out the prophesied last years before the millennial kingdom starts. And we have here the first half of the covenant with the many strengthened and then broken could take place somewhere between Nissan 10 to ER 15 or April 1st to May 6th. Watch for a possible covenant confirmation of some sort. And we know that King Charles was coronated on May 6th, which is ER 15 this year, which is the second Passover. So just the date of his coronation is quite interesting. And then the fact that we put in King Charles seven years, and this came up, actually two of these, and I don't put a lot of faith in psychics. Obviously, you're not supposed to predict the future, psychics or uh, occultists and that sort of thing. But I just want to read this article that did come up. And then I've got another one for a second witness. Psychic predicts King Charles will only last seven years on the throne before abdicating to Prince William. And this is LAD Bible. And it's not a biblical site. Actually, it is a um, LAD Bible group is redefining entertainment and breaking news for a social generation. So it's totally secular. And this is on their site. And it goes on to say, A psychic in the UK has some pretty grim predictions for King Charles III and the British royal family. A medium in Birmingham has revealed that the new king will last a mere seven years on the throne before abdicating the crown to Prince William. Also, we know that King Charles is 73, so seven years from now he would be 80. And Psalms 90 says that, the life of a man is 80 years if due to strength, or the length of a generation is 80 years if due to strength. So if he is only king for seven years, that would make him 80 years old when he turns over kingship to his son. Then we have the limited times, and actually I guess I have three articles here, so three witnesses. King Charles III is only supposed to reign for seven years. The Queen's secret plan revealed. King Charles III is only supposed to reign for seven years. He has only held his new role for a few days, and that was September 11th, 2022, and there's already a heated discussion about the end of his royal term. Queen Elizabeth II is said to have planned the abdication of her successor while she was still alive. After just seven years, he is supposed to abdicate to his son, Prince William. And the Limited Times is a business sports news aggregation site. And then the third one is International Business Times, the UK edition. So this one is quite interesting. This isn't just some fringe thing. This is the International Business Times. And it says Queen Elizabeth II gave dying orders for King Charles II to rule until age 80. 
Unverified reports are claiming that prior to her death, Queen Elizabeth II planned out specific orders for King Charles to follow, and this includes him serving as monarch for only seven years. An unnamed royal aide shared that Her Majesty made the plans months before she died on September 8th. She devised a plan on how the royal family should move forward long after she is gone because she was not certain her family is up to the job of guiding Britain for the next hundred years. The aide told OK Magazine she's not convinced her heirs will have have the will, skill, or character to do it right, so the Queen has bound them in shackles that will survive long after she goes to the grave. Queen Elizabeth II reportedly called for a meeting at Sandringham to discuss a series of rules to be followed after her death. In it, she included specific instructions for King Charles III to rule until he turns 80 years old. After that, Prince William, being next in line to the throne, should take over as monarch and his wife, Kate Middleton, as queen consort. And I forgot one other thing back at the limited times. At the royal family's country estate in Norfolk, the queen is said to have disclosed the royal plans for the future, including a precise timetable for the reign of King Charles III. The 73-year-old monarch should therefore rule for seven years until his 80th birthday and then leave the throne to his son William, 40. That's another interesting number. Prince William will be 40 when he takes over as king if this is truly the case. So it is quite possible since King Charles' coronation is actually including representatives of many faiths, even though he is the head of the Church of England, he is incorporating representatives of the Hindu, Sikh, Muslim, and Jewish religions, among others probably. And so he is making a covenant with the many. And if he's only going to be in for seven years, he's making that covenant for seven years. So in the midst of the seven years which would be right here sometime in 2026, could begin the abomination of desolation on about Tishri 10 or 11, which is September 21st or 22nd. And of course, Tishri 10 is Yom Kippur 2026. That would be the midst of the seven years. And also remember, King Charles is all about the Green Agenda, Agenda 2030, and that's supposed to be implemented by 2030. Again, that's seven years from 2023 when he is crowned as king. With that said, let's get into the coronation and keep all these things in mind as you see this multi-faith coronation of the King of England, the head of the Protestant Church of England. Your Majesty. The church established by law, whose settlement you will swear to maintain, is committed to the true profession of the gospel, and in so doing, will seek to foster an environment in which peoples of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. The coronation oath has stood for centuries and is enshrined in law. Are you willing to take the oath? I am willing. Will you solemnly promise and swear to govern the peoples of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, your other realms and the territories to any of them belonging or pertaining, according to their respective laws and customs? I solemnly promise so to do. Will you to your power cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? I will. 
Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the Gospel? Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline and government thereof, as by law established in England? And will you preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England and to the churches there committed to their charge all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain to them or any of them? All this I promise to do. The things which I have here before promised, I will perform and keep, so help me God. Your Majesty, are you willing to make, subscribe and declare to the statutory accession declaration oath? I am willing. I, Charles, do solemnly and sincerely, in the presence of God, profess, testify and declare that I am a faithful Protestant, and that I will, according to the true intent of the enactments which secure the Protestant succession to the throne, uphold and maintain the said enactments to the best of my powers according to law. God of compassion and mercy, whose Son was sent not to be served but to serve, give grace that I may find in thy service perfect freedom, and in that freedom knowledge of thy truth. Grant that I may be a blessing to all thy children of every faith and belief, that together we may discover the ways of gentleness and be led into the paths of peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Here in the center of the picture you can see the ancient chair with the stone of destiny underneath it or the ancient throne where kings have been anointed over the stone of destiny. King Charles will be anointed with oil from Jerusalem. I'm going to show you a little bit about that and he will be crowned on this chair which sits above the stone of destiny. Stone of destiny. The stone of Scone, also known as the stone of destiny has played a pivotal role in the coronation of British monarchs for centuries. This oblong block of red sandstone, weighing approximately 335 pounds, has been the centerpiece of royal inaugurations in both Scotland and England. Though steeped in legend and folklore, the stone's historical journey is equally fascinating, with periods of capture, bombings, and theft marking its colorful past. The Stone of Scone was historically kept at the now-ruined Scone Abbey near Perth, Scotland. It was seized by Edward I's forces during the English invasion of Scotland in 1296 and subsequently used in the coronation of English monarchs. A roughly incised cross adorns one surface and iron rings at each end assist with transportation. Some stories of the stone's origin involve Fergus, the first king of Scots, who transported the stone from Ireland to Argyll, where he was crowned upon it. Other tales connect the stone to biblical times identifying it as Jacob's Pillow Stone, 
taken from Bethel by Jacob on his way to Haran. Now for the anointing oil. What we have is um, a wonderful historic moment where the oil for the anointment of uh, His Majesty King Charles III is being consecrated here in Jerusalem in the land of the Holy One and uh, specifically in the Holy Sepulchre a place that is the most holy place for Christianity around the world. For King Charles, I think it it has many facets to it. Uh, The first one is his personal passion. You know, when when, um, uh, King Charles used to come here as uh, the Prince of Wales, he used to come as a pilgrim. And, and he was very dedicated to that. You know, I, I accompanied him on more than one visit. Um, uh, there is that family connection of his grandmother being buried in, at St. Mary's Church on the Mount of Olives. It's a very significant focal point also in the life of the royal family, uh, which adds um, an important connection uh, to that. We had this special uh, ser- service on the, for the sanctification of the holy oil here in the heart of Jerusalem, that is to say, in uh, in the Holy Sepulchre, in the very tomb of our Lord Jesus uh, Christ. This is a sign of the connection of the and the link of uh, the uh, royal family of the United Kingdom, and more specifically of uh, His Majesty King Charles, with the Holy Land and, of course, the Holy City of Jerusalem, and more specifically with the very part of the earth that has been sanctified and blessed by the redeeming blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The focal point of the coronation of King Charles III will be the anointing of holy chrism, his holy oil that has been blessed and the grace of the Holy Spirit comes down upon him to give him wisdom and strength to lead his people onto the a path of righteousness and goodness. Um, the oil that was that will be used in the uh, chrismation was uh, taken from here, from the convent of uh, Saint Mary Magdalene, and also from the convent of the Holy Ascension on the Mount of Olives, which is right behind us, um, and was blessed by the patriarch of Jerusalem, Theophilus the Third. This is the oil that ties him to this holy place, the Garden of Gethsemane, where, first of all, of course, his uh, great aunt and his grandmother are buried, but mostly of all that this is the place of the beginning of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who was betrayed here and who prayed fervently before his passion uh, here in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is uh, for the beginning of the you could say the way of the cross of King Charles for the very difficult task of being the king of uh, Great Britain. Since the Old Testament, uh, kings had been anointed with oil, beginning with uh, King Saul, the first king of the Jews, of Israelites in, uh, by uh, the prophet Samuel. And from then on, King David was also anointed by Nathan, and so on and so forth. So. In all the years since then, and in the New Testament, and uh, the kings were always anointed with holy oil, which is the uh, sign of the Holy Spirit coming down upon them. It is a great honor for us to have been able to uh, give the oil from here. Uh, Prince Charles, then he was Prince Charles, visited here twice, uh, last time in 2020, to visit the grave of his aunt and his uh, grandmother.
as uh, Prince William also visited here five years ago. Um, so it is a, a personal tie uh, to the royalty of uh, Great Britain uh, from the royalty that ties them all together, the Russian royalty, the English royalty, uh, it's all tied together from uh, this oil. And the king is now divested of the robe of state, and you'll see him move to sit in the coronation chair. And the anointing screen borne by representatives of the household division will be held around the coronation chair as the choir sings. And you probably spotted there at the altar the Archbishop in Jerusalem holding the ampulla with the holy oil which was blessed in Jerusalem. And these screens were made by the Royal College of Needlework especially for this moment in the coronation. The most private moment of all, the king will be anointed unseen by anyone except the Archbishop. So as we listen to Zadok the priest, and the screens are removed, the king had his crimson robe of state removed, and he's left simply in this sleeveless linen tunic, the Colobium Sidonis, made by Eden Ravenscroft for his grandfather's coronation in 1937. anointed on him, on his hands, breast and head. He's now putting on the various robes of state. First it was the super tunica and cloth of gold, this is it. An embroidered gold coat, a form of priestly coat. And then he'll be vested with a girdle or a belt. Receive these spurs, symbols of military honour and chivalry, that you may be a brave advocate for those in need. Presentation of regalia, starting with the spurs, brought by the Lord Great Chamberlain, Lord Carrington, symbols of courage in battle. The spurs made in 1661 for the coronation of Charles II. And the ancient chant begins the Byzantine chant ensemble, singing Psalm 71, Greek choir, mark of respect for the late Duke of Edinburgh, who was a Prince of Greece. The jewelled sword of state, the first time carried by a woman, Penny Mordaunt, the Lord President of the Council. Three other swords to the right-hand side. Temporal and spiritual justice, and the blunted sword of mercy. Lord, we 
we beseech thee, and so direct and support thy servant King Charles, that he may not bear the sword in vain, but may use it as the minister of God to resist evil and defend the good, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's quickly consider this woman in the blue dress who is going to carry the sword of offering out of the procession in front of the king. Now look, Penny Mordant, of course, uh, looked a million bucks standing there with the sword for six and a half hours. Are you going to burst my bubble at all? Is, Is she a secret lefty or is she the strong woman the UK needs? Well, she looked like it, didn't she? I mean, she looked like a sort of, a sort of, a sort of Roman goddess Bloody you know, there with the sword. Here's another artist rendering of the pagan Celtic England warrior goddess Britannia. We're all out of time today, but please go to our website to our blog page at www.hiswordheals.com to watch the entire video. Blessings and shalom to all of you and everyone in your home.